and the busing started in the 60s and all the money and the, all the stuff we were told about how prejudiced and bigoted we were. Well, now look who's the minority in Texas. But all these favors, I don't get them. I'm a minority. You know what they've done? They said, we're going to quit using the word minority. Because it doesn't work anymore. They're changing the word to non-privilege or privilege. So what I'm saying here is they did this test and they used black people. Then they picked the next thing they want to ramrod down our throat. And I guess it's adultery and fornication. Remember the 60s? Free love, baby. Crosby, Stills, and Nash said if you can't, Love the one you love, love the one you're with. And they were rewarded handsomely. There's millions of different singers in America. Do you ever notice how the ones that sing the message get the contracts and the airtime? And let's be honest, what are they doing, Doug? What are they doing? They're radicalizing us, aren't they? Oh, but they can use that word with... With Arabs and and that bunch, but that's exactly what they did to America, and nobody will stand up and say it, will they? We've been radicalized very carefully through their pathetic TV shows and their music and the universities. They use those. Those grandiose, pompous idiots, and they created this thing called, uh, well, you get tagged where you can't be fired. What's it called? Somebody help me. Tenured, right? Tenured. Tenured means I can tell my students they came out of a pond, they're pond scum, they're organized pond scum. That's what they are. And if they say anything against that, he can fail them. Take their money yeah. and fail them. Well, and he can also go further than that. He can tell you that your parents were ruthless beasts. Um, suckers. Yeah. But I just wanted to contrast how they'll take a young guy in some high school and say, oh, he got radicalized over the Internet, 30-minute show with ISIS. But it can't ever happen the other way, can it, Doug? These kooky nuts called Americans, they're not Americans, they're anti-Americans. They're the leftover British that we fought against in the war. They're the ones that started the Civil War. It's the same old people, adversaries. They hate Jesus Christ and all his people, and they just don't go away, Think about it. God said, chop the baby's heads off and everybody in the village. Don't spare one. Too hard for him to do, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So look at the pain that caused them later on. And so, so we look at Sodom and Gomorrah and all these people. These other little villages, I've heard there was all kinds of towns involved. And that's what they were known for. 
this filthy, disgusting, vile act of homosexuality. And the only conclusion I can come up with is it's shooting God the fingers what it's doing. How else could you put it? Because he designed men and women, and these people say, screw you, God. We got this. We're doing it exactly opposite of what you said. Deal with it. How else can you take that? They're branding queer queerdom. They're branding it just like it's a major corporation, like Disney. They got rainbow notebooks, rainbow wristwatches, blankets. Queer is here. Love is love no matter what. So, so a pedophile is a predator, but we call them pedophiles, don't we? They're sickos. And that that threshold has already been crossed. Mr. Epstein prayed on these girls. We, there's plenty of proof to show that the, the President Clinton was in on it. Uh, the head of this idiot royalty in England. Nobody's saying anything about the... They're not going after Bill Clinton or Hillary. She's a hero. He lives with this predator. At, at a minimum, we know he rapes women. And and we just put up with that. And we you got to know the bestiality is just kind of... I mean, have you ever read about beatniks, Doug? Where that started in the 50s? It all out of Jewish mouths. All of this crap comes out of these anti-Christian people that loathe Christians and Jesus Christ. So I would have to say they are a formidable adversary because they know how to accuse, to make false accusations. And how else how more clearly can we see that than this impeachment crap? It really works, doesn't it, Doug? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there, there's your definition of Satan. Slander. Ooh, it's simple, isn't it? But we got to complicate it, don't we? We've turned him into God Almighty. Nobody will approach that or touch it. Because then you'll be titled with a dirty name. You're a no Satan preacher. Oh my gosh. You don't even have to ever say there's no Satan and you turn into a no Satan preacher. Then you you find out what hell is. He t- he won't even teach about burning in hell. He's a no hell preacher. Nobody ever said there was no hell. There's a hell. There's an adversary, and there's an accuser, and there's a slanderer, and there's a diabolo. But they, you, you really get in trouble if you speak the truth. It, it, you're going to have to give me some powerful scripture tonight to help, help me. Well, <clears throat> you know, the scriptures are there. Um, we've we've discussed them before, and and um, man lying with man is 
is an abomination. Um, you know, the I, I think the thing that you kind of expressed at the beginning is the thing that that probably needs more um, said about it, and and that is how they pray, and that pray is P R E Y upon upon others, and you know. I remember reading an article by a University of Idaho uh, professor, and his his basic article was, uh, you know, that their sodomy was basically a, a Christian biblical myth, and the way that the article read. It was just so preposterous and so evident as to how he selectively used different pieces of information in order to support his his theory, you know. And <clears throat> as you say, propaganda. Uh, we've been talking about it the last couple of fellowships as well. Um, propaganda is is pretty powerful stuff, and when it is used to to do exactly, you know, as you were discussing also, tearing down uh, some some barrier or being used to make good evil and evil good, for example, and other things. Um, that is exactly the definition in my mind of a diabolos, a slanderer, a a false witness, a false accuser, because they have taken away the key of knowledge and in the process they have made them twofold more sons of hell than themselves. And additionally, they um, cause, as Christ put it, um, they cause them to sin themselves as a result. And that's exactly what it is all about. It is all about, um, you know, there was a fellow that called in, I think I shared this story with you, and he had called in and he, he had a very good analogy that he presented uh, that, the, that the sinner wants you to know and understand and believe that it is not this it is not he is a sinner or whatever it, it is well and i don't even want to say that he wanted to say how they want to drag you down with them by making you a party to it i that's really what i wanted to get at so so and the example he used was the abortion you see um there are people who think that it might not be right and, and so, therefore, if they can convince them that it really is not for that individual to say whether it is right or wrong, that it is up to the individual having to make the decision, well, see, that has an appeal to a, a number of people. And so, likewise, then, they, they drag that person into the sin with them rather than standing against it. And I just thought it was a relatively good analogy how he expressed that, 
because oftentimes I think people don't really think of it that way about how they are dragging others into the sin because of a failure to take the position to be either hot or cold and actually well, taking the position to be lukewarm, you know, in the middle. The, the, I've noticed the first, one of the first places they attack is with a female or your wife because she's, he's taken this to my brother's wife and she doesn't want to lose another kid, so, you know, we'll tolerate it. And the strong man, you know, now he's saying, I got to lose her and him. I'm going to stand my ground. And so he has to make, it's no different than putting your kid on the idol like Father Abraham. It's really what you're doing, but let me backtrack and ask you a question. It's been on my mind, and it's this uh, this 5176 word called N-A-C-H-A-A-S-H, a derivative of, of 638B, and... This is just too vague for me, and I hope maybe you can help me. Well, what what Does scripture? This, what's the scripture I, that we're drawing the word from? We're drawing it from the serpent. Uh, so you're, so you're in Genesis. Uh, the serpent goes to the woman to to do the damage, right? Sure. Now, why do we not discuss this word, N-A-C-H-A-S-H, from the same as 5175, the name of several non-Israeli peoples? Is it? Do we think it's not important? Do we think we got it all figured out? It was a snake that talked? That's nonsense. I've never heard a snake talk. If God wants to make a snake talk, God can make a snake talk. I'm not saying that. But he made a donkey we, talk. Yeah. I guess he did. That's what we're told, right? Yeah. I have But what is a knock knockhosh? What does it mean? Talking snake. Well, it could mean a group of people that hated God. Could be, couldn't it? And when they heard he had this special group of people tending his garden, that had to be stopped. Wait a minute, that's going on now, isn't it? Call it impeachment hearings. I can't think of a better word for those people in Washington. Than snakes, can you? Shift has got a warm enough neck, hasn't he? Yeah, what is his name? Jacob Slytherin Snake? Serpent? He's full of bullshit. Yeah, it's about time we start attaching the meaning to words and find out something here. 
because that's a huge, huge difference. A non-Israelite people seducing Eve? Whoa, whoa, do you mean there were other people? Whoa, whoa, now we're fouling up this whole universal church theory we've been had shoved down our throats since the day we came out. Right? Well, what I would what I would suggest, Russell, is back up here just okay. briefly and give me the you know your your nakash you know, source your your definition and so forth because I think you passed over that a little bit quickly for those that could benefit from it. So uh, back up and let's start over on that zero five one seven five. I'm, of course, coming from Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was. The serpent right there is 05175, and that's what you initially referred to. Am I correct? Uh-huh. All right, Jesus go ahead. Yeah. Dress them as serpents. It Why says, from an Okay. All right, hold on. Russell, go ahead, and then Rich, will, well, I'll give Rich a few. Okay. Sometimes he can express. Go ahead. 5175-638-A, from an unused word. Okay. Now, here we go in italicized. A serpent. A serpent. A serpent. Serpents. Snakes. 5176, same word from 638B, from the same as 5175. Same means what? Same, doesn't it? Same. The name of several non-Israelites. Okay, is that peoples, tribes, or three people, or five? I would think it's a group. Now, does it mean that? Tell me. I think we need more material. All right. So you had you had zero five one seven five, and then you had zero what? Mine don't have zeros. Oh, you had five one seven six. Five one seven five goes to five one seven six which tells you it's the same as 5175. The same word, but this 5176 means the name of several non-Israelites. Yeah, see, I I have not seen that um, cross-reference to 5175 and that 5176. I have a cross-reference to a 5172 um, enchantment um, to practice divination, uh, fortune telling, observing signs. Um, So that is, uh, mine shows 5175 Nakash from 5172. Yours is given a five one seven six, and um, well, five one seven two even brings up more questions. 
yeah, five one seven two does does exactly to uh, to those that would be inquiring is because um, you have several definitions there of which uh, one of them is certainly mythological in nature. And so if the word was being used as a representation of mythological uh, connection or a, uh, in other words, a manner of speech and a pattern of speech in which one invokes that is uh, necessary to um, reach the audience with something that is familiar. Um, well, let's 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 put it in context. What did the entity belch out to the lady? What were his words? It appears to be Zen Buddhism. Didn't he say you can become self-actualized? You can become God? Exactly. If you look at it from that angle, a Hindu or a Buddhist would carry that conversation on quite well. Yeah, that could be referred to or attached to a lot of different groups because um, that is the ultimate objective of of the New Age movement and so forth is that, you know, you become one with God and yet the entire scriptural record of the Bible, the way you become one with God is to be Christ-like and, and to abide in the will of the Father at least according to the Son. And since the Son is the door, since the Son is the, the, uh, the way one acknowledges um, the, the divine immutable presence of God is by the Son, by the acknowledgement of the Son, then uh, you know, this throws all of those theories on the head because you know, they don't want to acknowledge that. They merely want to acknowledge that they are their own self made gods and they seek to rise and elevate themselves to the status of gods themselves by, you know, all of their inner machinations to achieve it. So, yeah, I mean, uh, clearly what's being said here, you know, just stepping back and looking at it and, you know, one day, like I said, I've been working on a lot of this for a number of months and sometimes uh, I just push away from it because other things come in, and uh, um, you know this is this is one of the things that you know takes time uh, to develop and put it into a uh, into a cohesive form so that you can you can actually uh, you know try to be productive and you know. Uh, bring some clarity and understanding as opposed to just division or or you know more destructive uh, activities in the body well well but what I was saying what I was saying is that when you step back and clearly look at what is being said here what is being said here is is a denial of the word of God, the denial of 
the will, the denial of the creator's intention, that's, that's the big picture that's being expressed. So when you look out amongst the body of evidence, then you clearly are able to see that this is what's being done is however the writer chose to express it um, and for whatever reason, I mean, this whole serpent uh, connection or mythological uh, entity goes to all of the religions of the world, all of them. And then it, it, when you understand the rudimentary beginnings of that, then you begin to understand why it might have been used in the biblical record at all and used not so much to convey something that we have been taught it was conveyed, but rather to convey it in the same mythological forms that the religions of the world have used uh, serpent knowledge or serpent, uh, what do I want to say, serpent worship. I mean, the serpent appears over and over and over. And Earl Jones brought a couple of great messages about that. And I don't know if they're available on archive.com. I might have to shoot Matthew an email and ask him if he recalls. But, um, and I have a little bit of research that I've done regarding this, this, you know, evidence of the serpent um, in all the, you know, ancient religion and clearly out of the Near East. So go ahead, Russell. Wait a minute. I should probably ask Rich. Rich, you were going to say, and as Russell was reading those definitions, uh, something. Go ahead. Well, Jesus pointed out who the serpents were. And they are of their father, Satan, who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But it is probably the same people, then, that tried to destroy the garden on us, too. They came after the Son of God to kill him. Well, I think they were both speaking. So when we've done fellowships uh, here in recent weeks describing who killed the Messiah, um, you are suggesting, therefore, that that the, those that killed the Messiah were, were physical serpents, or you're you're suggesting that it was not the Israelites as the Bible not only prophesies but also conveys? Well, they had a part in it, but I don't think they were solely responsible. The actual murder event was taken out by the Romans, but it was definitely Jewish influence. I mean, they're the ones that called for his, his uh, execution. Well, well, actually, the, Pilate turned him back to him and said, 
because they demanded it. Pilate didn't demand it. The Roman leader didn't demand that Christ be crucified. Rather, well, he when he, he asked, it out. he said he gave the orders for his men to crucify him. No, what he did was he gave the order. He he asked. They wouldn't them, have crucified him without an order to do so. They were military. Yes, I, I I understand that, but what I'm saying is that he asked them who he wanted them to deliver to him, and they cried for Jesus. So, in that sense, it wasn't Pilate himself. It was he had to he had he was the pro pro counsel or the pro curator. That's he correct. He had to be the one who gave, who gave down the death sentence and even wrote it out on the board that he put above the cross. So he had, a, he had a hand in it for sure. I mean, these guys did the murder, did the crucifixion, pounded the nails. Those weren't the Jews pounding the nails. Right? Uh, certain of the Judahites. I told you what the definition of a soldier was. They do what they're told. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. that. Yeah, I think Rich might not have been on the line yet at the time, but um, uh, Russell. But I'd like. Sorry. Go ahead. I, no, go ahead. I wanted to steer it back because. You asked me what was more or less concerning me from last Tuesday to this Tuesday. And I find it interesting that Lot, whenever he was confronted with these people, going back to chapter 19 of Genesis, he was no uh, angel, but he tried to, Lord Chamberlain, he tried to, to uh, to be kind to him, didn't he? He rose to meet these people, these ravenous sodomites, and it says he bowed down with his face to the ground. In other words, he was appeasing them, wasn't he? And how else can you read this? And he tried the nice Christian way to love them back to Jesus. And they it infuriated them. And we're talking about the Sodomites. They became violent. And they they and Lot's such a sorry character. He said, take my two daughters. They're virgins. But the, yeah, they weren't his, 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 this guy's cup of tea, though, were they? <laughs> but here's the the queer response was, get out of the way. This one came in as an alien, and already he's acting like a judge. Now we shall treat you worse than them. So they pressed hard against Lot and came near to break the door down or break the door. The men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. 
And they struck the men who were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves trying to find the doorway. Then the men said to Lot, Whom else have you here, son-in-law and your sons and your daughters and whomever you have in the city? Get them out of this place. We are about to destroy this place because their outcry has become so great before the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. That doesn't say Satan there to destroy it. It says the Lord sent them to destroy it. And Lot went out and spoke to his son-in-law and said, Get up. Get out of here. And they thought he was telling a joke. And when morning came, the angels urged Lot, saying, Get your wife, your daughters, and get out of here, or you will die. But he hesitated, so the men seized his hand, and the hand of his wife, and the hands of his daughters, for the compassion of the Lord was upon him. There's that compassion thing again. And they broke him out and put him outside the city, and we all know what happened, don't we? Now, how does this figure in with today's society, Doug? Is Lord, is God tolerating it now? He got a belly full of it then, didn't he? So does that mean it was a lot worse than it is now? I don't know. Well, it goes to show you you can't compromise with those people. Well, that was that was the point that jumped out at me. You try to be nice to them, and they'll use you, and they'll chew you up and spit you out, won't they? You capitulate. You, that's what happens. Got to stand on your, your morals. Can't make any agreements with them. Well, I mean, this is going on right now in the land we live in. It's got yeah, the it. Salvation <laughs> Army at the moment. The safest woman in Austin, Texas, is a woman. You know, he's not going to get raped there. He doesn't have to worry about getting raped there. They don't want her. Don't they have a lesbian for a mayor down there? What I'm saying is, is we're we're we got to define sanity at some point in our history, don't we? Well, we we got to protest. We got a professed uh, sodomite running for president, kissing his husband up on stage. Disgusting. Yeah, was his is his name Budichek? Budichek? Yeah, that's German for fudge packer. Yeah, and we just accept it. Nobody says anything about it, do they? Yeah, it takes nobody his says a word. Well, I mean, there's got to be some tie-in with all this. Yes, it's just welcome to the world. 
Nothing's different than what it was back then. Sodom and Gomorrah 2.0. Yeah, we must have been misdirected somewhere along the line. Or or we had some people that really had some wisdom and said, we're not going to let an Esquire in this continent. I'll bet you they they banned certain religions. Do we have records of that? Was Talmudic, was the Talmud tolerated in America back in the beginning? They, and yeah, they it keep was. it hidden so Huh? Yeah. It's poison. I, I mean, does it spring out of Hinduism, Buddhism? I don't know. Well, I don't know. I was hoping the smartest people in Radio Land could help me out tonight. Well, one of the things I think, again, I come back to your whole your statement regarding the the propaganda because, um, for example, when you're when you're trying to express these things, um, modern clergy and so forth have have uh, defined words, and they're using the definitions that often um, aren't from the original Koine Greek, for example, especially out of the New Testament. And so uh, there's a lot of um, uh, you know, issues that have arisen out of that. So when, for example, in the book of Matthew, chapter 19 is one that I flipped over to, uh, verses 11 and 12, this is one of the examples that's often used by modern clergy to basically justify a a sense that, um, you know, Sodomy, homosexuality, man lying with man, the Leviticus, uh, you know, uh, um, command not to do so. Um, You know, they'll use this scripture in Matthew to try to explain that um, and justify, if you will, that that this occurs, you know, by birth. Um, And here at 11 it says, but he said unto them, all men cannot receive this saying, saving they to whom it is given. For there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb. And there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men and there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. Um, so this is a justification, you see, to say that, well, you know, this happens to them at birth. And they've been quite successful in that propaganda. Um, and with scriptures like this being taken out of context and being used um, by clergy, um, 
in many respects to, as you said, Russell, um, um, appease, um, what was the word you uh, used, uh, get along, I, I'm trying to think of the word you used. Um, um, well, they do like Neville Chamberlain did to Adolf Hitler. There's your word, appease. That just means suck up to, not stand firm. It's, oh, okay, well, I can understand that because Matthew 19 and 11 says this. So, yeah. And what happens? Get your first gay couple in church, and you get your kids. So they're impressionable, and and it's just like a wildfire. Um, So why does anybody care? That's what we're told. Let it be. It's love. Love is everything. Well, but see, once again, what what I'm trying to convey is that um, the chapter that we're in has to do with basically divorce so that is the context so in other words we 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 transition from the context of the passage into a micro context to support our thesis and that's what clergy has done or been allowed to do um, and it goes a lot to the issue of, again, the salt being the salt. And the Christian being the Christian, as Rich said, to, to stand against and to be heard. Um, and they have to be ready and able to diffuse the propaganda. And to coin words from Hoskins himself, our propaganda's got to get better. And he did not mean that in the sense of propaganda. He's just given us a military turn that, you know, our propaganda is woefully lacking. We are incapable. One of the reasons that I went to Pastor Peters about things that were on my mind at the time that, you know, I did after many years tutoring under uh, his leadership Now, I said to him, the people have an incapacity. I sense a great incapacity, and I speak for myself in speaking it, to connect the Sunday morning service with the reality of life. And that is still true to this day. I, I firmly believe that. So in this same sense, when we're not armed, fully armed and equipped, then we lack the necessary elements to diffuse this. I mean, Amen. Listen to this. The word eunuch, it's turned into castrated men when it was actually chamber guards. And the Hebrew word seris sometimes meant a palace official in the Septuagint and the Vulgate, probably without an intended comment on the qualities of bureaucrats. 
So the word literally meant uh, guard of the bedchamber or harem from you know, E-U-N-O, combining form of bed <coughs> with the word, it's a word of unknown origin with akos from stem of ekhine to have hold of. So, I mean, now that makes sense, doesn't it? If you well, put it in in that context. Absolutely, and that is a further uh, explanation of the context that they rarely do. So let's just go to the context of 19. He answered, I'm at verse 4, he answers and says unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them, made them, made them what? Male and female. And said, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother. For what cause? For this cause shall a mother, excuse me, shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. So how convenient that we take the scripture six verses later or whatever it is here and turn it into speaking about something entirely out of context without defining even as you did russell the word eunuch so they're very crafty in the way they do things they're very cunning in the way they do things which brings us right back to another thing that you segued into which is this serpent in Genesis 3. Boy, you are so right in saying when we get into these arguments or these discussions, what do you mean by and plug in the word? Exactly. And so and you can't have a discussion with those that you, you know, have around you about a situation, whether it's a situation of sin in the brotherhood or a situation of sin within the, uh, you know, uh, the Christian body of Christ. You see, when so when seven or eight or eight and a half point nine or nine point two or nine point four out of anybody you're going to be speaking to has not spent the least amount of time to understand, but has only gone with what they've been told. And I can't tell you how many times we've had that discussion on this fellowship hour about the preconceived notions and ideas from what we have been taught to believe or what we have been taught is not so, as Pastor used to say. And... I mean, it's just incredible how brazen they can be in twisting and confounding the contextual meaning of this scripture. So let's continue on. So he says, and for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. What are we talking about here? Are we talking about 
a man leaving his father and mother and cleaving to another man? No, we are not. That's pretty clear, isn't it? It's pretty clear. And and not only that, and not only that, he says that those two, the man who has left father and mother and who cleaves to his wife, because we are talking about the context of divorce, which only happens when men and women divorce, Wherefore, they are no more two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Well, that certainly makes me wonder about chemicals and DNA exchange, doesn't it? Well, yeah, and Earl Jones did another message on telegony. You know, perhaps I should get those and put them on the archives here at Gideon Warrior Network because absolutely, um, if you don't think that there is legitimacy to telegony, then, um, you know, all you really have to do to actually, you know, it's not all you have to do, but I mean, to look around understanding telegony, you can see the signs of it all around us. Um, Yeah, you sure can I won't get into that right now, but they said unto him, well, then why did Moses command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? He said, because Moses, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. Well, let's just skip all of that because it's really irrelevant And it's not the propaganda point that I want to bring out. So wouldn't it be better if I just give you the propaganda points that point you to the position that I desire you to have? Mm -hmm. Well, here's where I'm at. This scripture is not gray area when it says love your brother. And I'm sure each one of us has unwrap that scripture Mm -hmm. where we understand what a brother is. Okay? And I'm commanded to love my brother. So what... How do I love him? Well, I can only think of one way to love somebody and that's tell them the truth. Amen. Can you... Think of a better way to love somebody? No, I do and, not have any other better this, way to go ahead. This this child of his was not that way, but was told he was that way, so he bought the lie, didn't he? Bought the lie. Now may think he's one of those people. He's certainly defiled, I guess, by proximity. And he's certainly now, he's defiled. I don't know another way to say it. Well, and this is the only way that you have to approach it with that individual, is you approach it 
from that standpoint and teach him how he was lied to and teach him why all those lies helped him to believe things that he wanted to believe. So, for example, if I, if I want to believe that I'm entitled to uh, um, Russell's scooter, then I will can do all the things I can to convince myself that I'm entitled to Russell's scooter. And then the day that I act upon all that I believe that I'm entitled to Russell's scooter, I then go and get Russell's scooter. Okay, so now I have Russell's scooter. And Russell's looking for his scooter, and Russell says to me, why do you have my scooter? And I say, well, I start to describe all of the reasons that I believed that I was entitled to your scooter. So now you have to unpack all of those lies that I have believed about why I was entitled to your scooter. Now, you may not like the idea of trying to help defuse me. You'd like to just smack me upside the head and say, you're not entitled to my scooter. End of story. (laughs) And take your scooter back. But you see, this has to do with now that that genuine relation with the neighbor in in a sense that, you know, we're actually dealing with something that's foreign to us. We, you know, it's not as easy for us to just smack somebody upside the head and say, it ain't your scooter. I worked for it. I did this. I paid for it. I bought it. It's mine. So now we're dealing with this. this. Go ahead. Listen to the irony in this story. The mom tells the strong dad, tolerate it, because I can't handle losing another one. And the reality is this continued behavior leads to destruction. So she's actually going to help Kelly by yes. tolerating it. Exactly. You are you are correct. It's okay, baby. So I'm open to any suggestions, but I don't know what you had you wanted to talk about tonight, but that was a big one. Well, um, I, I can't I've got... remember us talking about it in the fellowship late. Well, no, we... yeah, we don't we don't normally bring that up or have that as a, as a topic as a general rule because it's pretty clearly understood and so therefore so now we have a situation and the situation is such that if you love your brother as yourself if you love your neighbor as yourself and you want to lead them away from destruction you have to undo the propaganda you have to undo the lie the deception that was that was given the same as the deception that had to be undone by God in the garden. And look at the, what God had to do to undo the deception in the garden. Look at all that had to transpire 
And this was something I was trying to bring out last week a little bit because <clears throat> I think we fail to recognize sometimes <clears throat> the broader picture of the thing is that <clears throat> it wasn't just God redeeming his people Israel. He redeemed his creation from the very thing that you just said, Russell. She's leading and allowing, essentially, in essence, to lead that other son right into destruction. Yeah, I never thought about that, Doug. Eve was, in in effect, defiled. She was well, right and, there. And God's creation, essentially, was going to suffer, was it not? Yeah, and it looked Absolutely. Like so, so he not... So he not only had to redeem Israel, and he showed that through the, you know, the, you know, the, the allegory or the, you know, the, the parabolic form essentially in redeeming Israel. He showed how he had to redeem his creation as well. And I know I didn't really bring that out last week, but I, I, it is something that was part of what I had intended to bring is to share with us a little broader perspective on the fact that when he actually redeemed Israel, there was something that was bigger because we're told about since the foundation of the world. So at that same point and moment in time with this creation, something else happened. That creation was destined for destruction. And the biblical record shows how the peoples were destroying themselves. And he had to bring order into the chaos. You following me? Yeah. And so in the same sense, on every individual stage that we see, such as the stage of the situation you're describing, we've got another you know, individual um, play being carried out of destruction. And so you now are faced with, and again, we are commanded that if we do not speak to turn one from their wicked ways, we're in part responsible for their dying in their sin. Am I wrong, Rich? I don't think so. Well, I think we need to get a strategy together of how to fight back. Because, like I said, if this is happening, it's not uncommon in Madison, Wisconsin, is it? I wouldn't think. No, it, it, it's not. It's, you know, we have, we have the famous Freedom From Religion Foundation, you know, that emanates yeah. from this, this part of the nation. I bet and I think it's awesome in Florida. What was that? I said, I'm sure there's plenty of this crap in Boston and Florida and, of course, California. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. right in the heartland. I'm sure. So, so when this thing rears its ugly head, I think the destruction card is a 
is a good one to play, don't you? Boy, it absolutely is. And and the other card that gets played, again, is the scripture which admonishes us that if we do not warn the wicked to turn from their way, then we are complicit, if you will, in in and bear a responsibility to the sin. And this is the whole process of 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 ensuring that that the creation is not brought to its destruction. See, for all their fall, you know, all their crap about, you know, global warming and how we're going to destroy the planet and everything else, you know, they're missing the mark on what destroys. You know, we've got to say Well, huh? wait a minute. Maybe they're not. <laughs> Maybe they know exactly what they're doing and this other superfluous camouflage is a side bit. Maybe we're the ones that don't know. They've got an attack going, and it's working. Well, let me go a little further than that. Suppose that they they know and understand instinctively that there's a destruction that's going to come as a result of, and of course they don't want to admit that it's the violation of the creator's will and design. So because they actually know or sense a destruction is coming, they have this you know, yearning or desire to somehow try to prevent it, but... Oh, next. Go ahead. I said this is their explanation of what's about to come. Yeah, this is this is how they how they choose to try to uh, you know carry out the 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 objective of of saving it from its destruction because they cannot accept the truth about why it is being destructed. Okay. So that's just my thought on it. I think that. That's, uh, you know, I, I think that follows in line with the scriptural, you know, the, the bigger picture, uh, if you will, you know, when you step back and think of, of the entire creation. And, and as I say, I, well, I think in many, many respects, God was redeeming the world through this act of redemption of Israel. You know, in some sense, we were looking at the small picture of it while the big picture, and yeah, there's some John 3.16, you know, God so loved the world, but they always forget to go to John 3.17. And John 3.17 is, is where you find, you know, that he essentially, you know, acted in behalf of his creation. You know, he created this place to be inhabited. And the way to bring about its destruction is to violate the will of the creator. The manual, the the design. That there's just that's the big picture, and, see, and it. See, I've been turning this around in my head that there could come a point where I have to cut him loose, my brother, if he becomes deluded. I mean. 
essentially he can turn into the prey as well. Well, and I was going to bring, yes, I was going to bring that up. Because children as hostages, they're using grandchildren and all this, you know, stuff. Come on, man, you got to get with it, they're telling him. You're an old dumbass that still believes in that old stuff. Like the Bible. Well, and I was going to say, you know, you said um, at, at some point you may have to cut off that relationship. And yes, that's what the scripture says. The scripture says that when they won't hear of the matter and they won't understand and accept, they cannot continue to be uh, in the camp of the so-called believers and the professors. But this is the thing that the church has done is this banner of, of toleration, you know, judge not lest you be judged and all the rest of that. That's why I titled that message a couple, three weeks ago, Does the New Testament Christian Understand the Ecclesiastical Court? And I know that an hour sometimes is not enough time to develop a thought, and maybe I'm not the best at at getting it out and and organizing the thought. I, I don't sit for seven days and prepare, you know, the next week's lesson or whatever, because I have duties and obligations like the rest of you. Um, maybe one day the, the the funds will just all of a sudden start coming in the mailbox and and it'll be a different story and I can take leave of that. But the point I'm making is that, you know, in, that's the thing I was trying to say. The whole thing about the New Testament and Paul's writings and Peter's is that is the ecclesiastical court. In other words, within the body of Christians, we are to iron out these situations and we are to always foundate them upon the prophets, the biblical record, and so forth. And then we're to cast that one off as a publican or a heathen who will not come under the ecclesiastical um, uh, uh, hierarchy of the king of, of, of Christ. I mean, you know, what else, I guess, should I say? You know, if you're not going to come under and being obedient to the king and, and to the commander, then do you keep that one in the ranks? No, you, you put him out of the ranks. If he repents and can be received back into the ranks and under watchful eye and tutelage and so forth, he could become uh, another model uh, elder within, within the body. But otherwise... It has to be well, let, me, let me ask you this. There's lots of evidence that, to suggest that the land that the Israelites were told to occupy was full of filth and disgust, right? Absolutely. Okay. Now, did that evolve? Did that did did that filth and corruption evolve? Is that the question? Yes. It is. Where did it man? Where did it? What's its genesis? Yeah. 
I mean, God God is the God of the universe, right? Yeah. So, so God created this creation. He must know that it spirals downhill if they don't take heed to his ways. So we could speculate, couldn't we? we could well, speculate. you know what? It doesn't even it doesn't even require it doesn't even require speculation because we have the biblical record that said it repented him that he created man, and so yeah. he brought destruction on a great portion of the face of the earth, and so we've got the biblical record that says you know their 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 hearts were continually evil, uh, their wickedness etc. So so therefore then. You know, instead of destroying his creation, which he had it within his capacity to do, but let me ask you a question. Russell, if you spent all that time and all that energy into this project or whatever that you're working on, are you just going to destroy the project because there's one, you know, little screw-up or even one major screw-up? You know, yeah, that's part of the whole... Yeah, that's the part of the whole thing to where you say, no, I'm not going to abandon this. I'm going to figure out a way, you know, to overcome the obstacle. And that's exactly what God did. He said, I, I see, I see the, the ruin that is in the, in the impending doom that is on this. I'm going, to, I'm going to commission a man to be in charge of this and his posterity because I've watched him. And he obeys me. And it's clearly within his prerogative to do that. So to answer your question before we do run out of time is that this is how you have to approach it. You have to you have to take the propaganda that was taught and you have to unlearn him the propaganda. And it starts with the father, the parent. And then it goes to to the child, and you two then act as two to bring the one out of the destruction. Now, you can't not you cannot do so expecting that he won't bring seven people of the cloth, if you will, to counteract the two of you. So you have to be prepared, and preparation cannot be done in an hour. Preparation is done in a lifetime, and you've got a lifetime of it already, but now you have to coalesce it and fine-tune it and focus it in one particular piece or direction to diffuse the propaganda. It's like diffusing a bomb. You know, there can be 10 bombs out there, but you've got to focus on the one bomb that's, you know, the one that sets the other nine off. So that's my only answer to you. We've already started right here with just this one scripture, and I know that it's a scripture that they propagandize immensely in order to get these young skulls full of mush to believe this. Well, I think you could be very right. And nobody said this was going to be easy. 
nobody said that being light was not going to be without um, uh, difficulty and and it's under we're under a duty and an obligation to do it and, and I know that that's that's confrontational most people do not want to have confrontation but because you speak the truth does not have to be confrontational. But because of our natures, we have the propensity to sometimes be more controversy or more, um, what was the word I was using? Um, well, the, these word magicians know how to twist your mind into a knot. Well, let's just go back now that you've brought that up. Let's just go back to that word. Um, because I find that that's uh, 05 or 5175. 5175 is from 5172. And I find it very interesting that it is from the practice of divination, divining, to practice, to you know, learn by experience, uh, fortune telling, enchanting divining you see that's what they have done they have divined and enchanted this individual into believing what he wants to believe it's just like i said you know your scooter go well hold on so essentially this nephew of mine could have been put in an almost identical situation as eve just different words but basically the same thing, the propaganda machine, the deception, the, the false accusation, and he bit on it, didn't he? I mean, metaphorically speaking, he stepped into the pile, and lest we be too bold about it and we be not careful, we could step into it or our offspring could step into it. So let us not boast. It's a formidable power, isn't it? Absolutely. That's why the scripture says, let us not boast, lest we should also fall. So this was the whole controversy that we found ourselves in four or five years back, or however long it's been now. Good grief, if I've done some sin... It's your duty and your responsibility as a Christian to carefully and constructively bring me out of my sin and to restore one, restore such a one. And that is, that is the most blessed thing that you can accomplish is to restore such a one. Because Christ rejoices more in the one that is restored than the 99 who need no restoration. Exactly right. Prodigal son. So, like I say, unfortunately, you're going to have to learn the propaganda. And you're going to have to diffuse the propaganda because whatever peace 
or whatever, you know, whatever the the thing is that's going to be recited to you uh, as justification and so forth, you have to be able to diffuse it. And this goes all the way back to what I said to Pastor Peters. Our people have a problem. They have an incapacity, an inability to be able to take the Sunday message and make it applicable. I did not know or believe that I had some outstanding property or characteristic in order to accomplish that, but I felt like maybe there was an option or an opportunity by doing something like this, fellowshipping in an open forum to where we can have some discussions about something that you don't normally get when you're just having Sunday service and, you know, Sunday Bible study. You know, we can go in and we can listen to this for an hour and then we can do some study on this for an hour, but if we don't have the opportunity to sit down and take a life application and then put it into practice, and like you said, Russell, well, we need a thing. It's part of what I was going to go over tonight was because I was thinking about several different things, and it all started with a little bit on how the propaganda about how Lincoln was this president that we all believed was, you know, this is the guy who actually, without a declaration of war, fired on the people who made up the union and yet did so claiming that he was all about union. What kind of propaganda is that think about it that's good problem <laughs> you know and so i basically started a study you know into several things regarding that and it goes to the issue you said a couple of weeks ago how come we're so incapable why are we so you know incapable of fighting back um you know this whole thing about states rights and you know, the sovereign citizen. You know, here we are. We're the creators. We're the creators of the compact. And and what I was going to do tonight was I was going to teach about the federation of God, the confederation that God had with a people. And so I think you can kind of get the sense. It all deals with how do we... Um, how do we exercise that authority that we have? Because we're all lamenting what's going on out here, and we're like, you know, hey, we're the sovereign. And they're just looking at us and saying, ha, 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 yeah, you think so, don't you? You really think so. And yet, it's all within our power, but our power has to be formed on the basis of the right structure, which is the power in God for doing right according to his will. It's not new to us. It's not something that's a new revelation. But you keep saying, Russell, what I'm hearing, which is we need, we need a plan. Well, the plan is in the word. And we have to get better at using the word because the word is our defense. 
Funny that you should say that, Doug. The Federation comes from the word to trust, confide or persuade. Sounds like you've got a problem with an eroded foundation. That someone, that the termites have been eating the foundation. And the um, only thing we trust is God. I mean, this word. There's our confederation. Well, I misspoke. I misspoke and said, there's our defense. Do you understand what I just misspoke? You need an offense, not a defense. That's our offense. That word is our offense. And woe be to the one that offenses come. But that is our offense. Our offense is the word. And we don't have to worry about a defense because the judgment is the Lord's. Amen. We just have to. We just have to be willing to carry it out. And I know that we are, as Paul said, you know, my, my mind is willing, my heart is willing, you know, or I, I guess my heart is willing, you know, I forget exactly how he said it, but, you know, I do that which I, I, I should not, and I should, you know, I, I do that which I should. <laughs> we get the point. Okay. Let me throw this out there for prayer tonight. We've been hit in my camp with, some sort of poison, food poison, something. And uh, I praise God that it hit us after Thanksgiving, a day. And we it seems to go on for about 20 hours. So, um, And it's just going one after the other, and it's brutal and it's vicious. Wow. But if you hit if you hang on, it departs about as quick as it comes. So, a prayer to... Do you try charcoal? Huh? Do you try charcoal? Yeah. <laughs> Texas said, Dad, I was in there throwing out smoke. <laughs> throwing up smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I Tell Texas, tell, tell Texas, he's not supposed to light the charcoal. He's supposed to eat the charcoal. <laughs> I could just envision him in there like a little choo-choo train. His wife is expecting, and there's a lot of concern. We just want all this to to work out. And I yeah. know it will. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead. You begin with prayer. We'll follow up. Lord, you're good. You're good to us. You're so good I can't even explain it because I felt you today right in front of my face. Lord, you pulled me out of a situation that only God, only you could have pulled me out of. Nobody else. Nowhere else. No how, no way. You got my attention, and I thank you for it. Lord, I pray that you would... Lord, this stuff comes on us, and man, do we get to think about you when it hits us. So I thank you for that. Whatever it takes to get us to think of you, 
consider you. But as we go through the fire, Lord, give us the strength to go through the fire and the courage. And then when we get through it, we praise you. We praise your holy name. We thank you. And that's where I'm at right now. Lord, come against these evil, evil forces that have come into our camp. I pray that okay, if I'm the one that needs to save the nation from chaos, give me the stones and I'll do it. And I know you'll be by my side. Lord, that's my prayer. Thank you for these men. Bless them, protect their families as well, Lord. Jesus, in your name I pray. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, how Russell reminds us of giving thanks. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that you've taught us in the Word to give thanks, have a day of thanksgiving and a time to give thanks, and that we should give thanks always. And so, Father, we do pray for your your forgiveness when we forget. Be thankful for your forgiveness for when we don't understand that we have forgot to be thankful. Amen. Father, I know that everybody took some time to be with family and so forth, and, and then, Father, to have these these uh, these viruses and these things that come upon us coming from our food that's been adulterated and polluted and spite of all of our efforts to we take to try to be healthy and to eat right and, and uh, observe those things that you've commanded us to observe still comes upon us, Father. And as Brother Russell said, we thank you for the opportunity it gives us to look to you for for healing. And so, Father, the rest of these that have yet to have this come upon them, Lord, let it be known that that the health angel has been sent out. Amen. And, and it's being stopped. It's going to be abated. And we just ask it in the blessed holy name of your Son. Father, we forget oftentimes to thank you and give praise to you when we aren't in need and that we really cry out when we are in need. And so we just ask that you bear with us in our infirmities. Father, we pray against and come against all of the wicked and evil and depraved thoughts of these false accusers and slanders. Father, we do pray that your will be done in that and that you bring upon them the destruction of their offices, that you bring upon them the removal of them from those particular positions of authority. And Father, we pray against those that are against you. We ask that you hear our prayers, know our needs and our desires and our wants are to follow after you. Help us, guide us, teach us, and help us to become stronger in yielding wielding, I should say, the sword of the Lord. 
your word, Father. We ask it and we seek it. We need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our, need, our amen. country needs a new respect for you. They don't believe in you anymore and they don't think you're there anymore. Oh, yes, Lord. To do some damage on the enemy. Lord God, we call on you, the God of Israel, to start to discipline these people, the, the ones that hate you and hate us, try to destroy all the foundations. Lord God, let your wrath come down upon them. Let their wives be widows, their children be orphans. Let them beg in the street and be no more in this generation. Lord God, teach us how to war. Thank and praise you, Jesus. Thank you for all the blessings you've given us and for the, the beautiful families that you've given us. We ask for your love, protection, and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, man. Well, good talking with you. And Russell, will do what we can, can to help you. In, uh, I'm anxiously awaiting that next Tuesday night meeting now, so you develop that. That's exciting. All right. Okay. You've already been good, good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.